Um, <laughs> you know, it was funny because he texted me. He texted me. Now, Tim, you'll appreciate this. Um, Tim must have texted Tony and said that his Sunday school class was canceled, all right? So this, is, this was Tony's text to me. Tom texted me, and the, he didn't say young class, he said your class is canceled. Why is Tom texting him saying that my Sunday school class is canceled? So I text back, right? Don't understand. <laughs> and, he, and he said something like, yeah, very little confusing. He said, Tim, not Tom. Young, not your. He said, I'm kind of tired and spell checked and tiredness doesn't go together. So we're walking into the church and I was talking to Dean and we said, he doesn't know what tired even is yet. <laughs> right, to bring that little boy home. To bring that little boy home, but everybody's doing well. And as of yesterday, today, they were supposed to get home. So uh, we hope they will get, be able to get home today. Um, but uh, they're doing very well. Keep them in your prayers. Keep them in your prayers. Uh, you know, some of you know, you know, what it's like to bring that first one home. And you have no idea where this thing's going. So uh, please pray for them. No youth group tonight for that reason. Tony needs to sleep. Just needs to sleep. Um, but we are going to have prayer meeting, but I know some of you have family things going on. So um, when you leave this morning, I, I never know what to do with prayer meeting because I, I know some of you are going to. How many of you are coming tonight to prayer? I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> how many of you tonight are coming to prayer meeting? One, two, three. What do you think? <laughs> Sharon says that, all right. Cam, a prayer meeting as well as youth is, are canceled tonight. All right. I hated to put you on the spot, but, you know, you see all these family members coming in. And so, okay. All right. That's, that's fine. Um, don't forget VBS as well. Coming up very quickly. Here we are in July already. Um, if you can help with VBS in any way, shape, or form, and you'll see items that are needed, helpers are needed, uh, there are sign-up sheets over in the fellowship hall, please take advantage of that. Please take advantage of that. And then also, just to, for your information, and you have it there in the bulletin, um, we had the white church out for a couple of weeks uh, to help with the medical costs for Denise Heddings Nolt. And $1,687 came in. And so we thank you for that. Uh, that is really a blessing. And uh, I appreciate your sacrifices, and, and I'm sure that will help them uh, quite a bit. Leonard's going to come and lead us in a couple of hymns. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Hymn number 63.
ask you to turn now to hymn number 85, <coughs> Crown Him With Many Crowns. And we're going to ask you to stand as we sing this. We can all sing better standing, and then we'll have our time of fellowship. Hymn number 85. Crown him the Lord of someone welcome before you sit down.
right, well, it's so good to have you with us this morning. Uh, we do appreciate your fellowship in the gospel. I thought for our prayer time, we ought to lift our nation uh, before the Lord. Uh, you know, there's a song out, I'm proud to be an American, uh, where at least I know I'm free. Isn't it good to be free? Isn't it good to be free? It sure is. Father, we come before your throne of grace, and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we can call ourselves Americans. Lord, we live in a land that is free. Father, we thank you for this day in which we can come into this place and we can worship you. Father, we're not worried that someone's going to barge through our doors. And we thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us as a great nation. We pray, Lord, that our freedoms might continue. We pray, Lord, that you might touch and move those officials in high places that make great decisions. That, Father, those who know you might lean on you and those who don't might ask you to come into their lives. Father, we are thankful and grateful that we are here in this country once again. Again, we thank you for that. Father, there are things we don't like, things we see around us that we know are just not, they're just wrong. So we pray, Lord, that you and your grace and in your mercy, Lord, you might correct the ills and the wrongdoings. Again, Father, we appeal to your mercy. It's not that we deserve any of this. Father, you're a sovereign God, as we saw in Sunday school. You are the one who directs the destinies of nations. You're in charge. You sit on the throne. You continue to rule and reign. That's good to know. It's good to know, Lord, that you continue to be in charge. Because sometimes things look so out of whack. Father, we are thankful for the salvation which you've given to us, too. Thank you, Father, for the message of the gospel. Thank you, Father, that it's in Jesus that we find eternal life. And this morning, Lord, as we approach this table, your table, as we approach this communion time, Father, help us to understand why we do what we do. Why do we come to this table? And so, Father, I pray that you might help us to see Jesus and to recognize and acknowledge that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Father, we believe that. We believe there's no other way, no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said you must be born again. And so, Father, we're thankful for the truth. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. And thank you for the great love that you have for mankind. So watch over us, I pray. 
during the service. Remove distractions. The baggage, leave it outside. So, Lord, we can focus on you. Open our eyes to see Jesus. Open our ears to hear the word of God. Change us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand as we sing praise. It is uh, so good to be in the house of the Lord today. Uh, Better is one day in your course than thousands elsewhere.
wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide trembles at his voice trembles at his So we come once again to our communion service. Have you ever wondered why? Why do we come to this table? How did this all start? Why the bread? Why the cup? Well, in order to answer those questions, we need to go way back into the very beginning of the Bible. When we go back to the book of Genesis, we learn that there was a man by the name of Adam, a woman by the name of Eve, and they were brought into the world as a creation of God, and they were given many privileges and freedoms. The Bible says they were given 
the ability to eat anything in that garden except for one tree found right in the middle. And we know the story. You know, when you're told to not do something, how you do it anyway. And so they ate of the forbidden fruit. And the Bible says when they did, they would surely die. But God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God of great mercy. And so God provided Adam and Eve animal skins in order to cover their nakedness and their shame. But those sacrifices cost the animal its life. And it had to shed its blood. It's always been blood that forgives sins. We move forward into the book of Exodus. And we now discover that the nation of Israel is under Egyptian bondage. They're all slaves to Pharaoh. And God raises up this man by the name of Moses, a great leader, to deliver them from the bondage in this country. And God said to Moses, you go to Pharaoh and you tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And that's what Moses did. But Pharaoh says no. He refuses. And so God must use drastic measures. And he sends plagues into the land of Egypt. Ten of them. Plagues like the river turning to blood. The infestation of fleas and frogs. Boils and more. And then comes the very last plague the death of the firstborn. That every firstborn child in those homes, as well as animals, would die because of this plague. But God provides a way for the Israelite families living in Egypt. He provides a way for their firstborn to be saved and to be rescued. And that brings us to our passage this morning. Exodus chapter 12. Here we have the beginning of the Passover. This great national holiday of Israel. Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are, to you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what e each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. 
Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That night, they are to eat the meat roasted over fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt, and I will strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on your houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Everything about this Passover points forward to Jesus Christ. Everything about this Passover points to Jesus as our Passover lamb. As a matter of fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, he says this, uh-oh, we don't have our TV, do we? Uh-oh. All right, let me read. Well, let me just mention what it says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, Christ is our Passover. Christ is our Passover. Can I see it behind me? Yes, I can. I'm going to be turning around today because there are a few passages of Scripture uh, that I want to read and I don't have it marked in my Bible. Not that I can't find it, but you don't want to wait for me to find it. So I may just turn my back to you a few times uh, to read what's up on the screen. But what Paul says is, is that, that Christ, he is our Passover lamb. That this sacrifice that was made back here in Exodus chapter 12, this lamb that was slain, this lamb that shed its blood, is a clear picture of Jesus. John the Baptist, when he came through the wilderness, he saw Jesus and he said this, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So let's look at this lamb. This lamb that was slain. This lamb that was slain and the blood that was placed on the door frames. And see how it helps us see a clear picture of Jesus. First of all, the lamb required. It was blood that was placed on those door frames. It was blood that was the sign that was to be seen if that home was to be spared from the firstborn being killed. It was blood that was the sign for this 
death angel, the destroyer, to pass over that house, sparing the firstborn. It was a lamb that is said to be a year-old male without defect. It was to be spotless. It was to be without blemish. We know, of course, that clearly speaks of the nature of Jesus. For the Bible says that Jesus was without sin. He who knew no sin, he became sin for us. But there's something else very interesting I find in this very first verse. God rearranged Israel's calendar, making this festival, this celebration, the most important in Israel's history. The NIV Study Bible says this was the inauguration of the religious calendar in Israel. When this event took place, it was not the first month of the year. But God said, we're going to make it the first month of the year. It was going to be that important, this Passover meal. God said, today everything changes for you. This meal will become the beginning of the year for you. For such a time as this. You know, there's a passage back in Galatians chapter 5, and it speaks about the time that, that Jesus came into this world. Excuse my back, but it says this. But when the set time had fully come, the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. I want you to notice that first verse. There was a set time that had fully come. There was a certain time in history when God said, this time is the time when my son will enter into the world. God has a season and a time for all things, even for the bringing of Jesus into this world. The time was just right for Jesus to come. Now let me mention a few things that I really don't have the time to expand upon these, but to help you understand how that time was right. First of all, there was a universal language. It was the Greek language that was in place when Jesus came. It was the language in which people knew, and so the gospel could be proclaimed. There was Roman peace, Pax Romana, there were these roads to carry and protect missionaries as they were able to go from city to city, from village to village. There were Jewish synagogues throughout the world at this time. Places furnished where the name of Jesus could be proclaimed. Everything was right for Jesus to come. There was a set time. The second thing I see about this lamb is the lamb slaughtered. At the end of verse 6, we read this. The community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. This lamb was chosen to die. That was its mission. 
That was why this lamb was chosen. This lamb was not chosen to be admired or to be imitated as an example of meekness and trust. This lamb was chosen to be killed. We know that Jesus taught truth. We know that Jesus showed love. We know that Jesus lived a moral and godly and sinless life. But the reason Jesus came was to die. The reason God became flesh was to be killed, to be taken outside the city, to be pierced so that his blood might flow. That's why Jesus came. That's why he's called the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. In Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11, it says that the, the life of the flesh is in the blood. You take away blood and you take away the flesh. You remove the blood and the body dies. From the very beginning back in Genesis with Adam and Eve, God required a blood sacrifice. That animal that was slain in Genesis chapter, it was in order that blood might be shed. It was a sacrifice. From the very beginning, that's what God required. A blood sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the sin of the people were covered. The sins were covered by blood. But it was only temporary. Back in the Old Testament, we have men coming with bulls and goats and lamb and sheep. And they bring these to the priest. And the priest sacrifices them. And they, they shed their blood. And that blood covered the sins of the one who brought the animal. But if they left and committed another sin, they had to come back and bring another animal. And they kept coming back. This was a bloody sight to see, this altar. But that's what God required. God required blood. But the blood in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, it was only a temporary covering. It was not a permanent fix. It did not completely remove sin. It just covered sin. That's why in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, we read these words. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It didn't do that. It just covered sin. But then we read later in Hebrews chapter 10, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. When Jesus died, he only had to die once. It wasn't repeated. It didn't have to be repeated. So today, we're forgiven completely. Our sins under the blood of Jesus are carried as far as the east is from the west. The Bible describes our sins as being thrown into the deep blue sea. Not just covered, completely taken away. The lamb slaughtered. But notice also the lamb applied. For these Israelites... To be saved. For that firstborn in that house to be spared. That dad in that house had to believe. 
that what Moses told them to do was true. That dad had to believe that he had to go and take a branch of hyssop and take that branch and dip it in that lamb's blood and apply that blood to the frames of the door. He had to, by faith, believe. If he didn't believe, if he said, you know, that Moses, I, I just don't think that's, that's true. I, I just don't think Moses is telling us what, the, the truth. If a dad thought that and decided, I'm not putting blood on the door frames, the firstborn would be slain. He had to, by faith, apply that blood Believe that if I put the blood on the door frames, my firstborn will be spared. By faith, they had to believe. And if they did not do it, the firstborn was slain. I want to read a couple more verses from Exodus chapter 12. Jumping all the way down to verse 21. It says, Then Moses, he summoned all the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Go at once. And select animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it into the blood in the basin and put some on the, of the blood on the top and down both sides of the door frame. And none of you shall go out the door of your house until morning. And when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see that blood on the top and sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. The elder had to believe. Had to believe in what Moses is instructing him to do. If he did not do it, there would be death in that home. There are verses found in John chapter 3 and verse 16 through 18. And I know 16 is a verse that we know quite well. Uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16 is probably a, a favorite verse of many. But there are two verses that follow that maybe are not quite as familiar as uh, John 3.16. It says, For God, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Now listen. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Now listen. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You notice those words there near the end? stands condemned already you see if you don't do anything at all with jesus if you say you know i don't believe this stuff that that god saves the world through i don't believe that jesus is if you say that and decide to do nothing at all with jesus you stand condemned already you don't have to do anything to be condemned the bible says we all come into this world with a sin nature, at enmity with God. God is a holy God, demanding a perfect standard, which none of us can meet. So the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of all that God expects from us. 
And because of that, we stand condemned already. If we do nothing at all with Jesus, we're already condemned. We need to believe. We need to believe that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that will save you from your sins and trust him completely. That's why I said this elder, this dad, if he says, you know, I don't believe Moses, and he does not apply the blood, that firstborn will be slain. If dad does nothing at all, the firstborn will be killed. If you do nothing at all with Jesus, our Passover lamb, you stand condemned already. That's why it begins. God, he so loves all of us. He loves all of mankind. He loves the world. Therefore, he gave us Jesus. He sent Jesus into this world to save us. But it requires belief in him. And then you will not perish, but be given eternal life. It requires belief. You must look at Jesus and believe personally that he died for you. The lamb applied. Notice also the lamb eaten. <laughs> they had to eat this lamb. It says that they were not to boil it uh, or eat it raw, but they had to roast it. They ate it with bitter herbs. They ate it with bread that did not, uh, they did not use yeast. Um, that uh, actually speaks of, um, you know, this was to be fast food. You know, we, we like McDonald's and Wendy's. We like our fast foods, don't we? We like to get in and get out. Well, they were to eat in haste, the Bible says, because the moment that the firstborn were killed and Pharaoh says, go, they needed to be ready. They needed to be ready. They didn't have time for the bread to rise. They were to take their cloak and tuck it up into their belt. They were to eat with their sandals on, their staff in their hand. Because at a moment's notice, they were to get out of town. Blood pictures the forgiveness. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And then one final point, the lamb remembered. Number, or verse 14 of chapter 12, it says this. This is a day that you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you will celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, as a lasting ordinance. This was not just a once and done. They were to do this every year. And now it's at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of every year, they are to have a Passover meal. And the Passover becomes a national holiday because it looks back. They ate it with bitter herbs. They weren't to forget the slavery in Egypt. That's what the bitter herbs represented. The bitter time they had in Egypt under the bondage of Pharaoh. But it looked forward to Messiah. It looked forward to Messiah as our Passover lamb. Now we fast forward. We fast forward to the New Testament, and we come to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 22. And I want for this passage to prepare us now as we move toward uh, our time of communion. 
we come to Luke chapter 22, and we begin to read at verse 7. And I don't know, it might, for some of you, take on a little bit newer meaning as I read this today because of what we just said. Because now we understand a little bit about Passover. We understand a little bit about the Passover lamb. Now let's notice Jesus, who is our Passover lamb. Luke chapter 22 and verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread. No yeast. Remember, they stood in, don't, no, no, no yeast. On which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat this Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and they found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples, they reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Now, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread. All right, no yeast. This is the same. He took the bread, gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This was the last meal, the last supper that Jesus would have with his disciples before he died. They're celebrating the very same Passover we just looked at all the way back in the book of Exodus. The little lamb that was slain, the bread with unleavened bread. This was the last supper, the last occasion before Jesus becomes the perfect lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Jesus will be slain shortly and he will fulfill all of those sacrifices found in the Old Testament. The Old Testament looks forward to the cross. The New Testament looks back to the cross. The cross is central to everything we find in the Word of God. The old looks forward, the new looks back. And here during this Passover meal, Jesus introduces something brand new. 
And it's what we're going to do in just a few moments. He says, now that I will become the Passover lamb slaughtered and slain, we can stop doing that. I'm introducing to you something new. It's the Lord's Supper. And he took that bread and he gave it to them and he broke it. And he said, this now is my body, which is going to be broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, which will be shed for you. Now the word is, I believe, is, should be translated represents. Jesus said, this bread, it represents my body. And the cup, it represents and signifies my blood. And so when we come to this table, we've come a long way, have we not? We started all the way back in the book of Genesis. And here we find ourselves now celebrating this wonderful Lord's Supper that Jesus introduced so many, many years ago. In a few moments, I'm going to call the men to the front and we'll um, pass to you, first of all, the bread, uh, the bread cubes in each of these trays. And as Jesus said, these cubes, they represent my body. We need to understand that, that the bread represents the body that was broken, the body that was wounded, the body that died there on the cross. And the cup represents his blood. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, there's no remission of sins. I trust that you have trusted Jesus at some point in your life, that you made that profession of faith and you applied the blood. The blood has already been shed. The offer is open to all to come to Jesus. But you have to apply that blood to your own life. And the way you do that is you believe, you trust Jesus and his blood to forgive you of your sins. The greatest need we have today, mankind has, is to have their sins forgiven. Otherwise, we stand condemned already. So if you know Jesus, you know that you're a child of the King, join us around this table. And please hold the bread and hold the cup until everyone's been served and the men come back to the front and then we'll eat the bread and we'll uh, drink the cup, and we'll do it together. We'll do it together because we are part of the body of Christ. So let me ask you men, if you would join me at the front, um, we'll begin our communion time. So we'll begin with the bread, and um, again, as I said, please hold the bread until everyone has been served and the men join me at the front, and then, uh, then we'll eat together. Father, again, we want to thank you and say how grateful we are 
for the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, we thank you that you have given to us this reminder. Father, we forget so easily. But today, Lord, our minds, our hearts are focused on Jesus alone. And we thank you that you have loved us so much that you would send your Son as the Lamb of God who came to die. What a demonstration of that love to know, Lord, that he came. That was Jesus' mission, to come to be slaughtered on the old rugged cross. For that we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots. And melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let's eat together.
And we've spoken a lot about blood this morning. And we thank you, Father, for that blood. The blood of Jesus Christ that takes away completely the sins of the world. Father, I thank you that you have allowed Jesus to come and become that ransom for many. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, keep me near the cross, bear a precious fountain, free to As Jesus reclined at the table, he took the cup and said, Drink ye all of it. <clears throat> 
Let's drink together. Father, we again thank you. Thank you, Father, that we could fix our eyes upon Jesus and turn our eyes upon him and look full, in his, uh, look into, look full into his face. Father, we thank you for uh, our time this morning. What a great time it's been. But, Father, we have a story uh, to tell. Uh, Lord, you saved us. One of the reasons for that is that we might go and share with others, Lord, what has been shared with us. And so, Father, we pray that we would go out into all the world and preach that gospel. But, Father, you have given us great hope, hope which the world needs to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. As the men are being seated, would you stand, or as they head to their pews, stand with me. We're going to sing that chorus, or that song, I Love to Tell the Story. I believe it's on 302. I love to tell the old, old story. No, no, we'll sing all four stanzas. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It's sad my longings as nothing else can do I love to tell the story will be my theme <laughs> to tell the old old story of Jesus and his love I love Tell the story, more wonderful it seemed. All the golden fancies of all golden dreams. Story, it did so much for me. And that is just, I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory to tell. 
of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat what seems it I tell it more wonderfully sweet to tell the story have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word I love to tell the story will be my in glory <clears throat> the old old story of Jesus and his love I love to tell the story for those who know it best hungering and thirsting to Father, having received your Son, you now have called us out to be your ambassadors. And so, Lord, this story that we've sung about, may it be a story in which we are bold to share. Father, give us the strength to be able to tell others what you have done for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 